Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. That's one thing about Penn State basketball. I just want to do a very quick note. There's no question in the 37 seasons I've done this that he has done a better job, Patrick Chambers, of bringing in a higher level of talent than at any point. Now, I've always felt that Penn State has needed to to somehow transition itself to being the older team on a more consistent basis, Um, and I think that's been important. And there was, obviously, for this particular year, part of the train went off the tracks because they were on the path to being one of the older teams. And then Tony Carr ended up developing to the point where he ended up being drafted by New Orleans in the second round and left after his sophomore year. And when Tony was recruited, I honestly thought, in my evaluation of him, that he was going to be a four-year player, a really good four-year player. Like Lamar Stevens is a really good four-year player. I thought that was Tony. So I didn't I didn't expect him to get drafted. I didn't expect him to go into the draft. Now, last January, I changed my mind because suddenly I started realizing, A, he's doing really well, but B, there also was a lot of interest in him being drafted, and also there was a, a lot of family pressure about entering the draft. So last January, I pretty much knew that, he, that it was going to be it for him at Penn State which is not what I expected when he verbally committed in August a couple of years earlier. I didn't expect that. I thought this was going to be a really good four-year player. You see Carson Edwards back this year with Purdue. You see Anthony Cowan back with Maryland. I thought Tony was a, a 6'4 version of players like that that are really good college players. But crossing that threshold to being a draftable NBA player, wasn't sure he'd, he'd get there. He did, to his credit. It changes a lot of things. Where now, when you're thinking in cycles of three, four years, and football coaches have to be the same way now. They have to think in cycles of three, four years. It, it is, it, it's hard to think that way anymore with all the transition that takes place. And it does make a difference in terms of what you're trying to build because you really can limit the amount, the number of plans that you have. All right. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Jones defending. 10 to shoot. Cunningham trying to drive on Zion to McMahon. Cutting reverse layup blocked by Zion. They fight for the rebound, and Jones has it for Duke. A chance to tie with a three. Barrett between the legs to Reddish to tie. Bang! And how long was that three-point shot? Several feet beyond the arc at 69-all. Wara inbounds for Cunningham. Racing up the right, guarded by Goldwire. Down to 10 and 9. 8 and 7. Off of a screen, it's Cunningham. Gets inside, behind the back. Fade away, jumper, no good. Zion fights for the rebound. He's got it, and that'll do it. The Blue Devils roar back. 
from 23 down to win at Louisville 71 to 69. They're down 23 with, what, nine and a half to play, 9.43 to play, and one. Yeah, that's a great win. Great win last night for Duke to go on the road and do that. Okay. Uh, yesterday we talked with Ben Kirschville on the show. I said, hey, can you come back? Because there's more questions I have about the alliance. It's interesting how the Alliance is getting more and more publicity each day. In fact, the L.A. Chargers general manager today says he sees the potential for the AAF as a developmental league for the NFL. I totally agree with that assessment. So let's bring Ben back and uh, talk about some of the rules that they have in the AAF. Uh, What are, you and I both know, established, established leagues... Uh, end up moving in a direction because there are other leagues that make them say, maybe we ought to try that. What are a couple of items you've seen from the AAF just in a weekend that says, you know what, that would work in the NFL? That's a, that's a great question because I'll, I'll give you the, the one that I think it, it could happen, but which is, I think at some point kickoffs are, are done. And yeah. that's... The AAF does that for player safety, and certainly that is that's a thing. But they also do it because they have determined, based on the feedback that they get, that it is the most boring play in football, statistically speaking. And, again, their job is to fit this thing in two and a half hours. Yep. So boring play, not good for player safety, get rid of it. Right? I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, it's dead weight. So... I, I think at some point that is the one thing that could make its way into other branches of football. Here's the thing, though. One, the NFL, and this is, this is what I think prevents so many. If people look at the AAF and go, well, these rules should be adopted here. First of all, the NFL really cares about what people think about the NFL. Yes. Like that, they are very buttoned up very non-transparent, very, like, about their perception. And so their answer is not to get rid of things. Their answer is, hey, keep your head up when you tackle, when you're, like, nine years old. Like, that's their solution to this, right? right? And then on top of that, special teams is a way for guys to make the roster. I mean, that yeah. so they, they assign a value to what kickoffs mean to the, to the game. Plus, you know, I, when I talked to Charlie Ebersole in San Antonio, he, he threw out this number. I forget if it's 72 or 74. It's sort of semantics at this point. But there are 72 units, commercials, for an NFL game. Right. Kick off the ball, go to commercial. Come back. You know, so right. that, is, that is advertising space that they get to sell. Whereas in the AAF, you're trying to move things along. You may, you'll recall the other thing is they don't have television timeout. Right. So th- they're saying is, you know, if you look at, at, at a melt of a football game, it's 18 minutes long, right. right? I mean, the actual play of a game is 18 minutes long. So they say, let's just cut down on all the excess time that we have, whereas the NFL is like, hey, can we, can we throw another commercial in here? Like, and so, I mean, they just they look at it from the completely opposite end. The other thing is I talked to Mike Piera yesterday for about 20 minutes because I'm working on another thing where the MVP of week one right. – was the Scott. instant replay yep. the sky judge where yep. they mic'd where they mic'd him up and they, they they walked you through 
what was happening and why they were going to make the call that they were going to they were going to make on the field. And I said, well, would the NFL do this, especially in the wake of New Orleans and Los Angeles, where the call was missed? Yeah. And you have to, you got, like, what, was anyone accountable for this? Like, the head judge, like, goes to the pool reporters afterwards. He's like, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see the play. And everyone's like, are you, like, what? <laughs> and so everyone, you know, everyone's freaking out about this. And, and in, in sort of response to that, the AAF goes, you know what? We're actually going to peel the curtain back. Yep. And we're going we're to show it to you. Thing is, logistically, it's far easier to do that for four games, one at a time, than it is if you have the head office in New York where the, the officials there are trying to go over replays for, you know, with all the, all the one o'clock games, right? right. It, it's just, it logistically, it's a lot harder to do. So... I don't. I used to think that the NFL. I say used to. This was like two days ago. I, I <laughs> thought. I thought the last week has been a freaking like blur, man. It, yeah. it, it. Um. The. I thought previously that this might be something the NFL would look at. After speaking with Mike, I don't quite get that impression. Yeah. Either way, there is a. Even though there is this connection between the AAF and the NFL, it does not necessarily mean the NFL would adopt anything that the AF does. Now, they'll look at stuff, because you're always trying to look at stuff. I mean, you go back to the original XFL, you wouldn't have a Skycam now if it wasn't for the XFL. So there are things that, there are things that they will look at, but uh, I don't know necessarily if they will adopt any of those items. Well, you wouldn't have a challenge flag without the USFL. Right. Okay? I mean, that's why right. I say, that's why, that's why I've said that it's interesting how other leagues, I mean, look, why are 18-year-olds drafted in the NHL? Because the WHA signed Wayne Gretzky at seventeen, uh, you know, so that's I mean that's how they make the move. But uh, when one thing that didn't come into play was the fourth and twelve from the twenty-eight yard line, yeah, instead of an onside kick. How interested yeah. are you to see that situation come up so you can draw some conclusions about it? Fascinated. I, I was kind of hoping we'd get it because we didn't get Saturday. I was really hoping we'd get it on Sunday. I thought Salt and, Lake uh, would do it against Arizona, and and they did yeah, it after they had scored. I thought so too, and, and they just they, yeah they didn't. I and the other thing too is I'm not saying winning doesn't matter at the AAF. That's clearly not true. Everyone wants to win. There's a playoffs. There's a, there's a championship game, but but they also know what they're about, and they just you know so they just okay game sort of out of reach. You just you know put the backups in and, and sort of just kind of let it go it's, it's week one we're still trying to kind of get things going but at some point you you work on it in practice right so at some point you've got to bring it out for a game so i would imagine that we'll probably see it in earnest but i think the onside kick replacement is is really fascinating i'm also anxious to see overtime because it more resembles college than yeah. the nfl you get the ball at the 10 yard line, you get, line. And, you, and you get the and you get one it's only one overtime right it's not you can end in a tie yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I those are the two things we haven't seen. So they're the two things I want to see. Yeah, I want to see those as well. Uh, what about two point conversions after every touchdown? Love it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. it's I mean, I know the again the NFL tried to move it back to like make it more interesting, and yeah, kind of. Yeah, but it's but, right there. But it's with the kickoff. I mean, it's yeah. still one of those like it takes up space in the game and again you know then you have a commercial afterward look just so everybody knows why was the 2 minute warning created 2 minute warning was created decades ago for commercials that's the only reason it was created okay so yeah 
Yeah, so I, I, I again, I, I like what they're doing as far as moving the game along. Again, it's 150 minutes. Can we pack this thing in yeah. to 150? And going back to the uh, to Sky Judge and, and sort of broadcasting the, the mic'd up conversation that they're having, you know, I, I hadn't thought about it this way either, but Mike brought it up as a point. It was, it was a good point. Was It keeps you engaged in the flow of the game. Right. Otherwise, you know, it used to be that a guy would just go in, the ref would go under a tent. <laughs> And he'd come out like 10 minutes later, like he talked to a freaking Oracle or something. <laughs> and and you go, like, so in the meantime, you're sitting there like with two announcers who don't know any more than you do, going like, right. well, I think, his, I think his knee was down, but I'm not sure, at least now. <laughs> and you're sort of disengaged from what's happening. Um, the only way you can find out for sure what's going to happen is if Tony Romo's called to play. And, right, and right, just, exactly. And at least now you, you can hear what's going on, and you are actively, you are more connected yeah. to that aspect of the game than you've ever been. So they've maintained that attention. You'll, you'll love this. At Beaver Stadium when Penn State's playing and they're, they're reviewing a play, obviously we have a monitor in the booth. The fans will look at Jack Ham and me and they'll turn around like, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that. That's just great. <laughs> do, you a, do you have an open air press? We have an open air press. We have, we have an open air, yeah. have an open air okay. Yeah, yeah so, that'll, that'll do it. <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. One time yeah. one time we didn't get it right, but the, they didn't get it right. The ball skipped off the turf. We could see it, so we went thumbs down, yeah. and they said, no, the play stands. They looked at us like we're idiots. Look, if you saw what we saw, <laughs> okay? Okay. <laughs> Uh, one final question, and this is going to be uh, of uh, – this is not a crystal ball question, but just of interest. They go out, the ratings, opening week, CBS can't be happier. 2.1, NBA goes 2.0, 2.1, right around there with Oklahoma City and Westbrook and Harden and Houston. How interested are you going to now be yourself as a reporter in in sustainability of those ratings to see if they can still stay in that neighborhood? Interested, but I also know that they're not going to be like that. I mean, you had a primetime simultaneous regional broadcasts right. for the first two games on on, on CBS on a, on a cable channel. Right. So you're not going to get that moving forward. I mean, CBS Sports Network will broadcast the Sunday game. NFL Network gets a couple of games. Which report live uh, streams one, and you know the thing is, is if like you're like you're Memphis and you're not very good, and you get like a couple BR live streams right. going, you know, you're like okay, that sort of falls off pretty quickly. So there are certainly aspects that you know could have the ratings go down. So I don't expect them to necessarily hold that number. And, right. and people made a, a big deal out of the fact that, that the AF beat the, the NBA. And I get that it was a big game. It was a Saturday night game with, with Harden and all that stuff. Like, I understand that. Yeah. NBA is a long season, man. Oh. I mean, it's a, it's a, it is a brutally long season. And the AF was novel, and it was different. And you know what happened? Most of the country saw in the first five minutes Sean Washington take Mike, Mike Berkovici's freaking head off. Right. And that was, and it was a viral moment, and that was yep. that was huge for the surge of interest in it. You're not always going to get that moving yeah. forward. So, but I think to keep this thing moving along, and again, having the NFL at your side helps, but you still have to be able to draw interest. You have to be able to maintain that through the course of the season. I expect the ratings to drop. I think that's sure. absolutely natural. Right, curiosity um, factors I, over. Right, right. So, but of course. 
in my own transparency, I work for CBS Sports. I absolutely have a vested interest sure. in, in this thing succeeding as well. I want it to succeed. I, I think there are uh, in numerous stories to be told um, about the players and the coaches and, and, the, and the team. So from a coverage standpoint, I, I like I like it. I want it to keep going. I, I agree with your assessment earlier that I think there are some smart people in the room who can make decisions uh, that are both well thought out but executed with uh, a sense of, of urgency and, and, and quickness. So I think it has a good chance to survive, but you have to have a product on the field that people like, and at the end of the day, having it in two and a half hours that yeah. people can digest it and move yep. on, and you're not taking yourself too seriously, and you're not trying to be something that you're not, I think those are all factors in whether this thing comes back. This was fascinating. I know, and you've gone through a whirlwind, and you digested all of it as if you had two weeks to digest it. Thank Ben. Thanks. I did. So, uh, I did. I, a, month, a month ago, I got the assignment. And I said, "All right, let's do it." It's just been. <laughs> it's been unbelievable. It's, 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 it's been it's been a learning experience on a lot of fronts, but I tell you, no one else has really been on this. And so it was an opportunity to to go in and and just absorb, and uh, it's been fascinating. And and you know what? If it doesn't work out, I tell you, it's it's a hell of a a section on your resume, man. I mean, it's just (laughs) it's it's something that you just you can talk. I mean, we talked about it for. 39 minutes, almost 40 minutes, yep. and I, we could keep going. I mean, it's, I it's been an absolute blast. Well, hopefully we'll do this again maybe in a, in a few weeks because I think it would be great to follow up. Yeah. Well, call any time, Steve. I always love coming on. Ben, thanks so much. That was To say that was great would be an understatement. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Okay. Great to have you, uh, Ben, on the show. That was awesome. Uh, James Sanders has a question, so I will come back. We'll answer that in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Cupid's arrow has hit the bullseye. Cupid has hit the sign in front of Sunbury Motors Kia. Drive by and you'll believe in love at first sight, too. Lease a new Kia for under $200 a month. Fall in love with this deal at Sunbury Motors Kia. Lease a 2019 Kia Forte LXS for just $196.40 a month for 39 months. But that's not all. During the Kia President's Day sales event, a 2019 Kia Sportage LX is priced at just $247.94 a month. And a 2019 Kia Nero LX starts at only $255.13 a month for 39 months. All new Kias come with an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. Cupid hit the bullseye of savings at Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 1115 in Hummel's Wharf. Leases are 39 months, 10,000 miles per year, $2,000 due at signing, no security deposit required, tax and tags included, offers expire 228.19, warranty is a limited powertrain warranty, for details see retailer or go to kia.com. Neil Kulong next half hour. Uh, let's get to uh, Jim and Mifflinburg. Uh, missed most of the first hour. Jeez, Jim, come on. You missed maybe the best hour we've ever done in the now the eighth season of the show. I can't believe you missed it. Uh, some questions were taken and answered, so I don't know if this may have been addressed. Why is it that Big Ten member Iowa does not wrestle Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan? Shouldn't the best uh, be competing with the best for the good of the sport? First of all, your last sentence is absolutely correct. I'm with you, Jim, all the way on that. 
technically, you want to know the technical answer for it? Well, the technical answer is this. When you wrestle nine conference dual meets, and Penn State still has to wrestle Michigan State and Illinois. They got Michigan State this weekend, then Illinois. You only wrestle nine. That means four teams rotate off your schedule. And it just turns out that for Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, there are three of the four teams that have rotated off of Iowa's schedule, just like, for example, Minnesota and Iowa aren't on Penn State's schedule. It's just part of the rotation. Now, to the second part, I mean, I've explained the, the Big Ten part of it. Now to your other part. You are absolutely correct, Jim. For the good of the sport, they should be wrestling each other. But you know what's interesting about Iowa? Iowa's not big on doing what's good for the sport. They're only big on doing what's good for Iowa in wrestling. Cale Sanderson's always looking at the big picture, and he's the one that is always trying to take care of the sport overall. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Always deal with the best at Sunbury Motors. Great product, great sales staff, great service department. All right. We get to football in a moment with Neil Kulong, just very quickly. Obviously, a big win for Penn State last night. All that hard work, validation, they finally get it in beating Michigan 74 to 69. They've won two of their last three games. They're at Purdue Saturday at 4 on, beginning at 3 30. Hey, Shigla me tonight? Sean? Uh, hoops are finished. Actually, they're playing games. This the announcer's finished. Okay. <laughs> now they are finished. They're done, huh? Season is over, yes. Wrapped ah, it up fe- Monday night. February 13th. Ooh, early. Yeah. All right, well, let's bring in Neil Kulong. Let's talk about the NFL. You know, your guy, Sean, Antonio Brown, Oof. he's your guy. He's your guy. Demands now to be traded. Well, every, yeah, that's the thing. Well, every, maybe my guy for another every, month. Everybody acts like he demanded to be traded. They have to do something. You don't have to do anything. He's got three years left in this contract. You don't want to trade him? You don't have to trade him. Neil Kulong joins us. Neil, welcome back. Hey, how you guys doing? You want to steal that line, don't you, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> never, never heard it before. It never comes up. Say, say, the same approach to trial that he took for practice of the Bengals, a no-show. <laughs> Found guilty in abstention. All and, right. and, and you know what, too? It's, it's not even the most newsworthy thing he did this week. You yeah. know? <laughs> That's yeah, I know. just how bizarre this whole thing has gotten. Um, and, and certainly, uh, you know, they, by and large, a guy doesn't show up for you know a, a trial that he's absolutely not going to be able to get out of anyway. I could understand that the diva in him that might uh, that might choose that route, but then the act the, the, the action he takes is to yeah. uh, tell his fan base that well, he's not going to play in Pittsburgh uh, anymore. Thank you, like, Steeler oh, Nation, okay. for a big nine years. Time to move on and forward is what he wrote. Uh, so, 
your reaction to what you knew that that's one I think all of us expected that he would do that. I kind of thought I, I, I was I wasn't really sure which direction it was all going to go. I, I expected to eventually hear something from Antonio Brown, uh, whether that is whether it be something that you know he's putting stuff behind him and wants to focus on the team, or if it's you know I want to get out of here. I, I expected to hear something from him. I, I wouldn't say um, it, it was a flusion in my mind that okay. he was going to want to get out of Pittsburgh. Um, I'm not even 100% sure the Steelers want him to leave. You know, let's keep right. in mind, Antonio Brown doesn't have any say over, over whether or not he gets traded. Um, it's going to be now extremely difficult for the Steelers to get back anything close to value on him just because if, if he's publicly telling, going out to say that you know he doesn't want to play here anymore, no one's going to give up anything for him. They'll just wait for him to, to get released and sign him to their own contract, You know, not have to take on the one that he has now, which isn't a bad one. Um, right. You know, it might be his most tradable uh, aspect. Um, just what two and a half million he's he's owed in mid March, and otherwise no guaranteed money and pretty low salaries for for the types mm-hmm. of numbers that he puts up. So, um, I, I, the situation I think goes a lot deeper than than what we know about. I think there's more that will come out about this um, as it all uh, you know continues to kind of swirl around. Um, I'm not sure what the Steelers could get for Antonio Brown at this point, but I, I, I do think, you know, it, there really isn't a whole lot else they're going to be able to do. They're going to have to figure out some type I mean, of, of way yeah. to uh, to move on from him. But here's another part, though, to this. Let's, let's, let's take this from a completely different direction, because he still has three years remaining on that four-year deal, which was $68 million. I mean, he still has three years left in the extension that he signed with Pittsburgh. Uh, what's for the to keep the Steelers from saying, you're under contract, we're going to keep you. Show up, don't show up. You don't show up, you're not going to get paid, but we're not going to move you. I, I don't think there really is anything uh, at this point. That, that's that's kind of what I mean. I'm not in 100% sure the Steelers want to move him right. um, for anything less than you know a pretty knockout deal. Um, they're on the hook for Antonio Brown um, against the salary cap, whether they pay him or not. That's right. They they are uh, they're going to have to account for a large amount more money than uh, a team that would acquire him any other way will. So from that perspective, I'm not sure exactly what their motivation is to 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 trade him unless they get exactly what they want. Yeah, so it, a first round. It, I don't pick. think. Yeah, I don't think Brown has the leverage that he thinks that he does. Um, I'm sure Drew Rosenhaus's agent knows that. Um, I don't think any team wants to keep a player that really doesn't want to be there. And if if he's going to continue to create um, a, a toxic environment, um, that's something I guess they'll they'll have to kind of figure out. But I, they're not going to move him just because he wants to go. Um, something else I think yeah. will have to come out uh, from the Steelers to to make all of this work anyway. And I'm I'm not entirely sure what they could get for him. Um, but I, I don't think they're just going to trade him for the sake of trading him, just because Antonio I, Brown said he wants to go. I agree with you. I think six months from now they start training camp. I'm not shocked if he's, he's you know that he's still on the roster. Now whether he shows up or not is his business. But unless they get exactly what they want, they've already got him under contract. Okay, even if they cut him after June first, there's still ten dollars, ten million dollars in dead money. I mean, it doesn't benefit them in any way. Yeah, and that, that's that's exactly the issue. And I'm not sure what Brown's position on that would be, what what type of stance he would want to have. Um, whether it's on the cap or it's dead, it's there. 
uh, right. tethered. It's not going anywhere. That's right. So the Steelers have essentially already paid. Um, with that, he will figure to be a large part of their salary cap equation, whether he plays down or not. So it, it's it, they really it, it, it's difficult because it, it, I think multiple sides have different positions of uh, leverage in all of this, and none of it spells the kind of return on investment I would think the Steelers would want if they were going to be basically forced uh, by Antonio Brown to trade him somewhere else. Um, You know, you cut out half the league because they're probably not going to do it within the AFC anyway unless it's, you know, the situation gets really bad. Um, I don't know. His contract, I think, is large enough um, and long enough to think, you know, I don't necessarily think they didn't expect Le'Veon Bell to play last year either, but obviously they were okay with taking on that risk. <laughs> uh, look where that ended up. So, you know, maybe maybe they just stand pat. Maybe they don't move. Um, right. That would be crazy. Uh, absolutely nuts to have uh, the last seasons of both Le'Veon Bell and Antonio, and, and Antonio Brown be seasons in which they didn't play at all for him. Um, that's, that's just nuts. As the Steelers' world turned... And as the Cleveland Browns' world turns, Kareem Hunt. Um, this league, ever since the Ray Rice um, situation a few years ago, has been, I mean, up on the ropes reeling on this issue. And the Browns go out and they sign. Now, I realize that you know there's still hurdles to clear here, but they signed it. I mean, you know, just in the terms of a look, it's not a good look, Neil. I think the the situation with Hunt versus Rice, I'll choose my words carefully, but I I think um, objectively, I think you can gain a little bit more um, from Hunt in the situation that he faced versus uh, Rice's action. Um, Along with that, I mean, even with that said, my honest-to-God thought is, like, I want to be Kareem Hunt's agent. Because the the deal that he just signed with the Browns, considering it's a one year contract, right. no guaranteed money, he gets something for a, a workout bonus, and he's a restricted free agent in in um, 2020. Yep, the Browns own him for nothing for two years, and he just actively signed that contract. I mean, I don't think anybody would let him get away with you know profiting from half the season. Sure. Uh, Dorsey knows that. They're just bad optics. He can't really do uh, for him. Um, something that's going to make him look like he, you know, benefited uh, right. from the entire situation. All of that said, you pretty much have to guarantee a, a six-game suspension for him, even though he was already on the commissioner's exempt list. Um, he couldn't be signed. He couldn't play. Some will argue that that counts as something of a suspension, but it's like he's signing for nothing, even close to his market value. And he isn't able to get anything next year when he's a restricted free agent. So the Browns are picking up for absolutely nothing one of the most dynamic offensive players in the game. Um, yes, certainly uh, that's going to come with, um, it, it, you know, it, it, it's going to come with the type of problem that Dorsey oftentimes isn't afraid of. Let's keep in mind, he signed Tyreek Hill um, yes. you know, back when, when he was with Kansas City. Yes. He obviously still has something of a, a relationship with Hunt as it is anyway. Um, he, he's not afraid to, to you know, take on those, that bad look. And the reality is the Browns are the ones that are profiting on this to a, to a huge degree. Um, 
it's just hard for me to think that an agent wouldn't be able to get a, a second year on that contract, knowing that restricted free agency is coming up, um, knowing that he can you know, get in front of the market right now, sign wherever he wants, whoever it is that would want him, and then do the, the typical you know song and dance that they're going to do. Everyone's going to issue a statement. He's going to say that he went to classes and it's not really who he is and all that stuff. Um, whether or not that's true, I'm not trying to belittle the, the point um, uh, of emphasis that he's trying to establish with himself. Um, what he did was wrong. What he did was bad. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Right. Um, but this this is straight out of the playbook. Everybody knows this is coming. Um, I would just I would have thought he could have gotten a better deal than right. what I've seen reported that he signed with Cleveland. Uh, now the AAF started over the weekend, and you probably watched a little bit of it. But I want to get into something that's a little bit different, and that's the XFL, which is a year from now. Now the AAF is going to stick by what the NFL Players Association negotiated with the NFL owners, and that means you have to be out of school three years, out of high school three years before you're eligible for the NFL draft, so you can be a junior or a redshirt sophomore. The XFL says they won't stick with that, that they're going to go. That's why the first guy you think of is Trevor Lawrence. What do you think of that possibility, and what could that do for the NFL if somebody of note were to accept even a one or two year deal with the XFL next year. That's an that's, think, a, that's an underclassman. Yeah, for the XFL's perspective, I think they they don't have a choice. They kind of have to not follow that rule. If they've already got a competitor um, that's going to follow it, along with the NFL, from a business perspective, they have no reason to to follow it. Um, I think there absolutely is a market um, if you want to bring in. A guy like Lawrence. Let's just say that it's him. Um, right. I mean, they're going to have to find pick, a way to pay him. Right. You're picking the guy that's the option. But you know what? This is Vince McMahon. The way to pay him, I do know this for a fact because I talked to somebody that, that was associated with the league in 2001. Every single person in the XFL in 2001 got paid in full. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I, it, it's just a question of how much um, any team or even the league itself. Would be able to pony up for a player like that because right. if, if you're Trevor Lawrence, the main thing that you need to look at really is exposure at this point. If he can't enter the draft, he almost is better off playing next year and then taking his junior year off completely. I mean, really, you look at the you, you look at his ceiling, where he can go, where he is now as a teenager. Uh, the kid's going to be pretty good. I, I think uh, I think he's got a pretty good shot at making it in the NFL. You know, I think that's a yeah. that's something most people could agree upon. If you're going to go to the XFL, I would imagine um, your your primary argument to that would be getting paid in cash that you actually you know are allowed to have and not have it to you know hide it or whatever it is that, that you know top college uh, players are able to do just through alumni uh, now. Um, how much money would that be? And do you think you're going to continue to improve with the coaching, with the level of talent that, that you are surrounded by in the XFL? Is all of that going to be more than the top uh, Division One program? I, I don't know what the exact answer to that, but they're going to have to pay him more than fifty grand a year oh, uh, for no. for him to to make it worth his time. Exactly, they're going right. to have to give him a couple million. Oh, he's going to so, no. He would get. He, in fact, he might get more than that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, for the sake of the XFL. If the XFL wanted to make a splash, and I'm, I'm pulling 
a lot of this out of the USFL's playbook back in the, the Donald Trump days. They had to outbid uh, prospects. They had to yes. figure out how um, to, to make enough money to pay the top-end guys to make their league work, and it did for the most part. You know, there, there were flaws with it and everything. Um, but overall, they were able to attract uh, top-end talent by paying them. And that, that was in a system where they didn't need to worry about, um, you know, it, getting the, the 18, 19, 20-year-old guys. These were, you know, college seniors, by and large, uh, you know, guys that played four years of college uh, back in the early 80s. They obviously don't really do that now. But the only thing preventing uh, Trevor Lawrence from being the top pick in this year's draft is that rule. And the only reason that rule exists is right. the combination of uh, the NFL making sure that the colleges still have players um, available to make their product on and they don't have to, to spend as much money on scouting like they would. They have to go back into high school to scout guys if, if they could go at, at you know whatever point they they could enter the draft. Um, they could get them after their freshman year of college. They could get them when they're seniors in high school. It's a lot of money and a lot of development time uh, that would have to go into it. So the, the rule itself is is there for business reasons, not competitive oh, reasons. Oh, but why is there one and done in college? Because the NBA does not want to scout AAU and high school games. Yeah. That's why yeah, they watch why one and done exists because they yeah, don't want to send their scouts to waste their time in a high school gym. Really is the only reason that 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 type of system exists because then what they're going to do is look at baseball. Look at the amount of money oh. that they have to put into scouting internationally. Oh my and goodness. they have they they build their entire towns to do nothing but bring in players from you know whatever city whatever country it is that they're doing it with and they have to do this across the globe and there is no draft largely just because they can you know find their own find their own uh, future players it's not stuff that they can do um, with the, the rules that apply um, in basketball and in football they have to keep that cost that expectation down the NCAA. Uh, conversely, profits on the fact that these guys will all come in and they'll they'll gladly cooperate with the scouts and, and you know to to make sure that everyone's watching their product um, because they have the the best players for that particular age group. If you took that away from football, I mean, I, I, I don't even I'm not sure what you'd even have uh, with the NFL, but the the. the their resources would increase by a factor of like fifty no. for everything that they would need Look, to do. If your if your goal is to be a twenty five billion dollar business by twenty twenty seven, which is what they've said, and now they're up to fifteen billion. I mean, they may get there sooner rather than later to twenty five billion. You don't blow money on 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 you know changing a system that allows you to be on the path to twenty five billion and suddenly stalls you. You don't yeah, do that. I think that's that's exactly right. I mean, they they, they aren't going to mess around. Plus, I mean, it, it's just you think of it just purely from that that competitive uh, perspective. You put a 26 year old, uh, a high end NFL player who's been in an NFL weight and nutrition program oh. for the last five years against a 19 year old, the game, oh. and then you put a 19 year old out there, a kid's going to get killed. Literally killed. You just yes. you couldn't do it. It, it, it. There's way too much physical maturation that has to take place oh. um, at that college level. You know, they, oh. they have to get bigger. They have to get stronger. And they're not going to do that. Just they haven't had. You know, they they, they haven't lifted five years worth of weight. Exactly. And when they go up against a 31 year old man who's been doing it for a decade, 
that, that it's not even competitive. It's just dangerous. And it it's, then on top of it all, they don't want to have to pay the 18-year-old. They want to have to, to pay the scouts to go digging through high school film um, all over anywhere across the country. It's just, and, you know, financially, it, and, none of it works. And by being in college for three years, you're not getting somebody raw. Yep. It's, it's just I mean, college coaching, college strength and conditioning, college speed programs. I mean, and, and the, the teaching part. Right, the NFL benefits tremendously on what, especially Power Five football does, to get these guys ready. So, yeah, I mean, you put all of that in; it's a huge part of. Um, take like the Senior Bowl, for example. That's a big part of the reason why uh, teams really kind of hang their hat on uh, the Senior Bowl because you get the oldest guys together. These are the ones yeah. that are, you know logically they're the most physically mature and ready to play at that level it doesn't mean obviously there aren't a ton of of good prospects who aren't uh um you know seniors but they need that extra time in development they they want to be able to get players um who have lifted those additional weights who have you know been under the instruction of their their coaches for a lot longer um it's a hard game and there really are not a whole lot of reps around and that you know you don't get to play a whole lot of snaps um, even at the collegiate level, before you get into the NFL. I mean, you think of it, some of these guys, like, take like Juju Smith-Schuster, for example. Yep. Um, he was 20 when he was drafted. He He's probably played less than 100 games of football in his life before he got to the NFL. Right. That isn't a whole lot. You know, it, it really is a, a, it speaks to the rawness of some prospects and how they, they get better the older that they get, simply because they just didn't play very much. You know, and even in college, yeah, you, it, it's a big-time commitment, but they have rules against the amount of time that you can spend with your coaches. They're not getting it, you know, 24-7 the way they will in the NFL. Neil, great as always. Thanks so much. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll talk to you. Neil Kulong, USA Today. All right. Uh, Don't forget, Patrick Chambers is going to join us on the show on uh, Friday. Ben Jones, SteakHouse.com on Friday. Chris Mack on Baseball Friday. We've got a lot going on in tomorrow's show as well. We're looking forward to it. and more emails where they say they love Sean, but there's just this confusing one. Don't make fun of the suit. He's awesome. K. Her from Danville. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.